the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Question, how do you handle authority? Are you submissive to it? Or do you have preconditions to submitting to authority? Let's see what the Lord has to say about all of this today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. When it comes to submission to authority, we come at it with a bunch of preconceived notions. Oh, we'll submit to authority if this, 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 and this happens. And once it misfires, well, I'm out. But God has a different way of going about it. That's what we're looking at here in Romans 13, verses 1 through 7. Submission to authority. That is the title of today's broadcast. Join us from Reformed Heritage Church online at reformedheritage.org. Let's catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner, shall we, for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. The idea that each man may live as he pleases is the same spirit of revolution that boils in our hearts and has ever since the Garden of Eden. We told God that dark day that we will not have you to rule over us. And now we rationalize this rebellion under names like democracy, popular sovereignty, government of the people. And the philosophy is very simple. There is no higher authority than man himself, individually or collectively. Freedom requires the right to live without external constraint unless someone arbitrarily in the exercise of their rights, infringes on the rights of others or injures them in some way. In each scheme, human governments can only be necessary evils at best. Creations of men to be altered or abolished according to the will of the majority or by whomever can obtain and keep power. There is very little room in current Western reigning philosophies of government for the idea that, to use Paul's words, the higher powers, the higher authorities are God's anointed. We do not hesitate to ignore them, vilify them, or attack them. But against all this revolutionary spirit, the Christian attitude toward the government authorities is very, very simple. And that is to submit to them in recognition that God has given them the authority that they possess. We fear God and we recognize his rule through the powers that he has ordained. We are to practice meekness, chapter 12. And chapter 13 flows right from chapter 12. We are to live toward all men, including the powers that be, with meekness, forbearance, 
repaying their evils with good, forgiving injuries, and patiently suffering under well-doing. All human rulers, as we learn here, rule however they came to office by the decree of God, and now especially by his Son whom he has put at his right hand, and he rules everywhere. He's, he is Lord everywhere, and therefore we must revere him everywhere, including obedience to the powers that are. If obedience to him happens to require that we suffer for disobeying the ungodly edicts of men, we are to gladly do as our Savior did and submit ourselves to God for safekeeping and ask him to vindicate us. If he calls us to live under tyranny, we are not authorized to take the law into our own hands, despise those in authority over us, or speak evil of dignities. Turn with me, if you will, to the little letter of Jude at the end of the New Testament, verses 8 through 10. Jude seemed to be speaking here to the giddy spirits of his day, that are like those of our day. And he says in verse 8, Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion or authorities, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee, but these speak evil of those things which they know not. Now the verses in Romans that we will be looking at over the next few weeks are challenging. And they do speak directly to the agitating political questions of our day. What should the believer's attitude be toward the civil government? How about toward an ungodly government? How about are we authorized to take up arms or otherwise resist the civil government? These are, of course, challenging questions. They are pertinent questions. And the Holy Spirit does not answer each of them here directly. But he does teach us one important lesson that must influence our answers to all the other questions, and that is our submission to the powers that be is to be like our Lord Jesus Christ. He submitted himself to the injustices of power that he recognized were legitimate. What did he tell Pilate? Pilate, you have your authority from heaven. Your power is legitimate. Your authority is legitimate. And I am going to submit myself to it. And he saved us by submitting to the injustices for our sake. He overcame evil with good. Chapter 12, 21 is the context here that we looked at two weeks ago. Now, we're going to need to grace and humility to follow our Savior's example because for the past 400 years, every Tom, Dick, and Harry has been encouraged to make their voice heard, foment political change, 
and to align themselves with a party that best represents their interest and can, can secure what they want to happen. After all, we all learn in elementary school that government is of the people, by the people, and for the people. But trust me, that is one of the favorite phrases of the devil from his handbook of autonomy. Because government does not derive its authority from the people. Its primary source of authority is not by the people. Nor does it exist primarily to promote, promote what they want to happen. These lines in Romans 13 completely show that as a lie to that view of government. Now it doesn't mean, of course, that we cannot engage with government matters or politics if our particular system allows it. It's not unspiritual or beneath the Christian to do this. But when we are allowed to participate in the system, we must do so with Romans 12 in mind. We must do so with humility. We cannot leave the crown and cross of Christ at the door. And we must not fight fire with fire, wrath with vengeance, schemes with more scheming. In other words, overcoming evil with good is as necessary in the town hall as it is in the local congregation and the family. We see, after all, ambassadors for Christ in every sphere of life. In fact, it is because we have been taught and are to view the power that be, the government, the civil magistrate, at whatever level or form of government he happens to be, as a minister of God. Therefore, we respect the person and his office for that reason, even if he is personally unworthy of it. Beloved, he stands in the place of God to govern our lives, and to protect us from evil. So just like wives to their husbands, children to their parents, slaves to their masters, or employees to their bosses, we give them deference and honor and obedience. Not because they deserve it, or because they've earned it, or because they are worthy of it, or because we agree with, like them, or their decisions. It is because God says, these are my authority. Listen, submit, and obey. And God will test us on this very point. Will we respect and yield to those, especially who are unworthy, and recognize them as God's own authority, and submit to them as God's own sword? Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm Chapter 17, a little line here that we need to remember if we happen to find ourselves living under tyranny or any ungodly government. Psalm 17, verse 13. David has been describing here the wicked who oppress him, and he says basically in verse 13, Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down, this greedy lion, this lurking young lion. Verse 13 of Psalm 17, truly. Arise, O Lord, disappoint him, cast him down. 
and deliver my soul from the wicked, which is thy sword. We forget that God doesn't have to use just clean swords that we agree with that are good. Even wicked governments are his sword to afflict his decree and justice upon evildoers. Now, when I first contemplated Romans 13, I thought maybe just two sermons, maybe three on the subject would suffice. But I realized the subject is too big, especially for this congregation. Now, we can't think that we are the first church or our nation is the first nation to live in a politically agitated environment. The times in which Jesus lived were extremely volatile. The Romans were the power du jour, the power of the day, and the Jews really chafed under their subjection. There was plenty of talk of revolution. There were plenty of revolutions even undertaken. There were men, there was a group of men known as the Sakari because they carried these little swords called Sakaris. And they would weave themselves into crowds and stab the powers that be. And of course, the government's response was surprise, surprise. Stricter laws, suppression of dissent, and the occasional massacre of the rebels or freedom fighters, depending on your perspective. In this time period, exceptions, expectations of the Messiah were very, very strong. But he was misconceived as a deliverer from Roman oppression. So when Christ came and he promised a kingdom based on deliverance from sin and death, not from Roman tyranny, the Jews then played the rebel against their own Christ and crucified him. The Gentiles, of course, to whom this letter was written, they lived in the capital of the world. They lived in Rome. And this was a very dangerous place for Christians. Now, if our understanding of the chronology is correct, and I believe it is, Romans was written somewhere between 54 to 57 A.D., that would have been the first three years of Nero's reign. Nero was still under the tutelage of Seneca before he had him slaughtered. And Seneca wrote a very famous book called The Clementi, on clemency, encouraging rulers to show mercy and forbearance. And the first three years of Nero's reign were so enlightened compared to what it had been in the past, that many people herald this as a new golden age for Rome. But of course, the reality of Nero's megalomania quickly became apparent, and his political enemies in the church especially would feel the fire and the sword. And it would be very tempting to think the kingdom of God absolutely demands that we be delivered, that we do something, that we disobey the powers that be, perhaps even that we take up arms. Men have thought that for centuries, and they have done it. And the results have usually been short-lived and no better than what they spilled their blood to get out from under and men still think so today. 
Please remember the seeds of fear and of pride and of discontent and revolution are deeply embedded in the hearts of fallen men. And they have been ever since we took the fruit in disobedience to God. But there is a far more important background to what Paul says here in Romans than the political. The Holy Spirit has taught us through chapter 12, a chapter I must confess has been very, very challenging to me, just personally in terms of practice. But Paul has taught us that we are to be consecrated to God as living sacrifices. And if there were two words that would perhaps summarize chapter 12, it would be faith and love. Faith and love are what we as Christians are to live by. We believe God's promises and we love one another and all men, including our enemies. We are not men and women and young people of fear or hate. And faith and love We are now going to learn in Romans 13 and really through the end of the letter have to live out in very challenging world in which political injustice, tyranny, suspicion, intrigues are par for the course. We don't walk above these things as Christians. We can't get out of the world's system. We are a part of it. And our faith and love have to be expressed in how we relate to the powers that be. We don't ever need to be be deceived. There are those who build the city of man. They are blind. They do not love God. They do not respect his word. They're haunted by God. And they try to build walls and institutions to insulate themselves from his judgments. And how were we to respond to these many gods as Scripture speaks of them? How do we respond to these earthly higher powers, especially when they have moments of wicked clarity, when they realize, wait a minute, the real enemy here is the church. The real enemy here is Christian parents. The real enemy here is those who worship the God of the Bible. So they begin to do a little bit of persecuting. Because there is some sense that the church with its thus saith the Lord is a competing authority. And is really the only earthly institution that can effectively resist tyranny by simply saying we must obey God rather than than men. What are we to do? Are you ready? This is pretty radical. We are to love them and we are to submit to their authority as long as we are not forced to disobey God. We are not to think that the kingdom of God requires us to rebel against the powers that be or even to speak evil of them or to vilify them. If they give us blows, we must receive them patiently for Christ's sake. We must love our enemies. We must turn the other cheek. 
we must testify to the reality of God's grace in our lives and use the divinely empowered weapons that we've been told will cast down strongholds, particularly the word of God and prayer. So the gospel spirit, the spirit that made Jesus hearers, for example, when he gave much of his, this teaching in its personal manifestations in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, say, no one ever spoke like this. But I thought we were supposed to knife our enemies in the back. I thought we were supposed to plot and scheme like they're doing against us. I thought we were supposed to, in the political realm, in the government realm, repay evil for evil. I thought we were supposed to assert our rights. And Jesus come along and says, If a soldier tells you to carry his heavy pack one mile, go with him too without being asked. What about my constitutional rights? What about them? Jesus said, My love and grace and gospel are higher than your silly constitutions. <clears throat> You do what I tell you to do. You turn the other cheek. You love your enemies. You forgive insults and offenses. And if they happen to be higher powers, you leave those higher powers gasping over the love and humility of what it is to be a Christian. Beloved, the gospel spirit is completely opposed to the revolutionary spirit, which rebels under subjection, which nurses its wounds and keeps hurts alive forever, keeps track of every wrong suffered and always wanting to avenge itself. That is not us. We are of a different spirit. Our Lord Jesus has told us we are of the spirit. If you'll turn to First Peter 2, we are of the Holy Spirit that enabled us to do just this. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20. For what glory is it, or what credit is it? When you be buffeted for your faults, you should take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even here unto were we called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps who did no sin, neither was guile or cunning deception found in his mouth, who when he is reviled or criticized in an abusive manner, reviled not back. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. It's the same spirit that told Peter, Peter, put up your sword. This isn't the time to fight. It is the same spirit that forgave his enemies when they crucified him, even though he is the Lord of glory. You see, we are united to him, and we bear his name in the world. We are called Christians because we are disciples of the Savior, and we are to follow his example. So we may not hate. We may not foment rebellion. We may not avenge ourselves we may not meet man's wrath with wrath of our own. There may certainly be times when the fifth commandment in defending our lives 
may call us to take a more physical resistance. But the main way, and I think this is an underlying point that Paul is making here, the main way we overcome evil, particularly the evil of political tyranny, is through doing good, patiently submitting to God's chastening hand, and waiting upon Him with constant prayer to plead His own name and cause and covenant. Are you praying for this? Well, this has been Abounding Grace with our teacher and pastor, Gary Wagner. The ministry of Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose. As always, it's a delight spending time with you here in God's Word. And if today's program has been especially helpful to you, we'd love to hear about it. Would you take a moment and contact us? Let us know how the program is encouraging you in Christ. It would mean a great deal to us. From time to time, we'd like to know how the program is being used by God. And that would be a great gauge for us. A quick letter or a phone call. Here's how to contact us, 408-866-5607. That's our phone number, 408-866-5607. Or you can write to us at PMB, that's PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB for post mailbox, number 402. 1484 Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California, 95032 is the zip code. If you'd like to know more about Reformed Heritage Church of San Jose or Pastor Gary Wagner and Abounding Grace, you can visit our website, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And leave us an email when you stop by. Let us know you paid us a visit. You're also welcome to, again, call. That phone number is 408-866-5607. If you'd like a copy of today's program, by the way, mention today's date when you contact us and we'll get a copy out to you. The cost is $5. And any amount you send above and beyond cost of resource materials will go right back into the radio program, as this is a listener-supported ministry. We're able to continue our daily presence here on this station as you continue to support us financially and prayerfully. We appreciate your help in this endeavor. Thank you again. For further information, reformedheritage.org or 408-866-5607. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.